0: Hey guys, thank you for tuning in this week. I have an awesome episode for you and one that I think you'll be a little surprised with. So one of my earliest clients and actually a really dear friend from chiropractic school is a great doctor in southern New Jersey named Rick Carlson. Rick and I went to chiropractic school together. I think he graduated one semester after me and we started our practices exactly the same time, right around that 2015 time. At the time we were both out of network with insurance and really got started by have table will travel, bring it to gyms and go to people's houses and just do what it takes to get the practice off the ground. But what was interesting was we sort of took two separate paths. I really dove deep into the out-of-network cash thing, high-value service, spend more time with people, to learn how to charge more money, where what Rick saw, based on his area, was it was the best business decision for him to actually go in-network. So Rick is unique in that he went from out-of-network to in-network. And what most people don't know about me specifically is I, I don't care if you're in-network, out-of-network. What I care about is that you run a business that has a chance to be successful let me say it again, that you run a business that has a chance to be successful. So Rick very clearly understood the game he was playing. He runs an amazing practice in South Jersey. It's a really fine, great practice. He knew that he had to do certain things, build more volume, have a bigger office, build a bigger staff in order to make that model work. And so Rick was also one of our first clients that I ever worked with in our coaching business. He took Cairo Biz 101 early, early on. And He's also one of our agency, our Google Ads clients, and we run ads for him as well. So he's been someone who I've known for a while and and really, honestly, was one of the first people to give me a chance to help. So I'm so grateful for him and his friendship, but his trust to help his business. We can go back and look at the numbers, I think when his business started in our world, it was doing in the 700,000s. And this year, they're projected to do 1.2, 1.3 million. So here's a guy who is under 40 years old, graduated chiropractic school in about 2012, opened his own practice in 2014, 15 timeframe, and in under 10 years has a seven-figure practice, which is in-network. And so if I can help any of you do anything is listening to this and listening to my guest show you what is possible. Rick is a amazing guy. Like I said, he sometimes downplays it a little bit, but he is in the best kind of way. He is a killer businessman. I mean, this guy gets it. He understands it. So you're really going to enjoy this episode. I always enjoy talking to Rick and, uh, you know, gleaming some of the insights and the high-level thought processes that he has. Also, I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, but let me mention again now, usually you need to hear it a few times. For you guys that might be students or working at a current job somewhere, Rick is currently looking for another chiropractor at his practice. He already has, not including himself, two associates and he has two physical therapists, but he is looking for a rehab style chiropractor who wants to come in, lives in that South Jersey, Atlantic City area that is looking for a job opportunity and a career. And just to kind of give that a little bit of a plug, if I'm someone who wants to eventually own a practice or learn how to do it, Rick is a guy to learn from. Not only that, but I'll tell you an insight into some of the coaching that Rick and I do. He's kind of cracked the code at his main location, and now he's looking at expansion. And so for a lot of people out there who want an opportunity to go and understand and learn, and then will have an opportunity in that company to grow and expand and spread their wings. You know, Rick is someone that I literally am currently coaching with, coaching on what does those next opportunities look like? And I can tell you the advice that I give Rick is if you find high level, high quality people figure out a way to hold on to them. And so if you are out there listening to this podcast and you think that's you and you're in that area, I highly recommend you reach out to Rick. At the end, he does give his email address. It will also be in the show notes. So make sure that you jot that down. And it's worth having a conversation. I vouch for him 100%. He's been a great part of our community and is a great friend. In addition to that, we are quickly, quickly, quickly selling out tickets for our live event in September we have, as of this recording, 84 registrants. And the max of the room is 90. And so the event is September 23rd and 24th in Bridgewater, New Jersey. So there's a real, real, real chance that if you decide in four to six weeks that you want to come, that it will be sold out. So we have 84 people registered. We have six slots available. Uh, by the time this actually gets released, there might be less. So if you are on are thinking about it, if you have any uh, inkling to come, please, you must reach out, fill out a guest pass application. We, once they're gone, they're gone. There's really not much we can do. And as a business person, the thing that would upset me the most is if I have people wanting to come to our live event and I can't get them in. So please, I'm begging you. If you have an interest, if you have any interest at all, being in a room of 90-plus rehab chiropractors, most that are what I would consider the top, top, top 1% of rehab chiros in this country, in this North America, because we have Canadians coming as well, uh, you need to be in that room. You need to be in that room. Just to give you a little bit of idea of what we will be covering, the theme of this event is how to become 15 Mile Famous. We are all about digital marketing. Like I said, we have a digital agency, but I still believe a brick and mortar business like we are, we need to understand how to get in our community and become 15 Mile Famous. For you guys that have all the acronyms after your name, there is nothing more tragic than being the best kept secret in your town. So if you really want to help people, you must learn how to become 15 Mile Famous. The first thing we're going to do to help you become 15 Mile Famous, we've brought in a world-class speaker who was on the pod a few weeks ago, Allison Feld, who does almost a million dollars cash pelvic floor PT in Edmonds, Washington. And she is about as good as I've seen in getting in her community, getting in groups, speaking to them so that those patients become Uh, so that those prospects become patients in her office. So she is our guest speaker that weekend. She is flying in across the country to be with us. Just super excited about that. I will also be lecturing on our exact formula, our exact formula that's helped us go go into CrossFit gyms and yoga studios and things like that, that has helped us gain an ROI. When I first started doing seminars and lectures, I thought they were great but I would get nothing out of it. Um, It wasn't that it was a bad audience. It was that I was bad at delivering the message. Luckily for you, we've learned. Um, If you go back to episode one of this podcast, the first episode, how to make $25,000 at a gym, that is a bit of a preview to what we will be speaking of. But I can tell you again, because of our growth and my growth as a, as a business person, the things that I talk, talked about in that first podcast, I've learned and expanded upon, have a lot more experience on how to do it even better. So that is how we're going to teach you how to be 15 mile famous. In addition, we're going to show you some of the high level Instagram strategies we've been using. We're going to do a clinical section this time. It's the first time we've ever done a clinical section. We have Sean Astorga, one of our mastermind members. He is the founder and owner of AMP Mentorship. Um, And the reason why I'm bringing Sean in is because he gets it. He is someone who is a world-class clinician uh, who runs his own clinical mentorship program. In addition to that, he has, he is a world-class business person, him and his partner, Monica Moore, they are both running a practice. They've more than doubled their practice since being in our mastermind group. And so he is a clinician's clinician and they are building an unbelievable business. So he is going to be speaking as well. We're also going to show you some of our, our follow-up processes specifically, uh, with or without a CRM system that'll be led by our team, uh, Hannah Matheson specifically, or Hannah Myers now that she is married, um, and we have a ton of other stuff. We have a very, very exciting, big reveal that will happen at the live event that I can't give more details on, but it's going to be a very, very cool experience. And just like anything else in life, every time we run a live event, my only goal is to make it better than the last one. That is literally what wakes me up in the morning. It is 6:10 a.m. And that is the first thought that I had is how can I level up this live event? So it's going to be absolutely incredible. Um, I venture to guess you people that have been to all these events in the past uh, seminars and all of that. Uh, I would like to think that when you leave there on Sunday, this will be the best experience you professional experience you've ever had as a chiropractor. Um, and I think I'm going to be right. So if you are thinking about coming, I need you to be there. Don't hesitate because we might sell out of the guest passes. Um, That is all I have for you today. As always, please like, share, subscribe, share with your friends. If you don't have any friends, share with your enemies. Uh, Whatever it takes to spread this podcast, it is growing steadily, and I appreciate each and every one of you. What's up, everyone? And before we even get started with it, I just want to give a little PSA for you guys that are listening. Rick is currently in the hiring process in South Jersey, and we'll talk a lot more about that. He is looking for a rehab Cairo. If you don't get to the end of the podcast or you get to work and you didn't get to the end where he talks more about the position he is looking for, I just wanted to start this by saying that because we have such a big audience now, that's fantastic. And a lot of people might be looking for job. Rick has a really good opportunity. So before we get into anything else, Rick, how are you today? Good. How are you, Justin? Doing good, man. So let's get started. So you and I both graduated right around the same time. We were classmates. I think you were one trimester behind me. And we worked as associates. Then we both opened our own practice very similar times. And what was interesting, we both started out of network cash-based. And then we sort of took divergent paths where you went in-network and built a really successful business, which we'll talk about. And I went out of network cash and also was able to fortunately build a successful business. So why don't you bring us back to That time and that transition where you did actually go from out of network to in network and talk us through that process.
1: Okay. I think we're going back. So we're both located in New Jersey. I am south, South Jersey, right outside of Atlantic City, Ocean City, about 15 minutes from the beach. Cape May is about a half hour away. So everybody listening, Point Pleasant and the beaches by you are still North Jersey. Being in New Jersey, where I am located, the primary insurance carrier. In Atlanta County, I would say it's still Blue Cross Blue Shield, probably about 80% of my patients. So at the time when we both started, I think that was 2014, we both started our practices. I think it was 2016 that New Jersey started to cut back or Blue Cross did on their out-of-network benefits, meaning teachers, cops, your big commercial plans were paying very well being out-of-network in New Jersey. And a lot of those plans, cut back the reimbursements to only the out-of-network providers. And the insurance, what they were trying to do, or are still, I don't know, was to push everybody in-network. So during that time, I was about two years into practice. You know, in the beginning, there's a lot of ups and downs, I'm sure a lot of your audience knows. You're busy one week, and half your patients get better and are discharged. As I was networking and growing and really talking to anybody I could, I started running into problems. I was losing patients because I didn't have out-of-network benefits. And it always leads to the awkward conversations that they want to use their insurance, or I don't understand out-of-network, what do you mean I can still see you? So located around me, one, there's Atlantic Care, that's the big hospital system. They have Blue Cross, but they don't have any out-of-network benefits. And especially nurses, other doctors, they feel like they have to use their insurance. The other big employer around here the Atlantic City Airport is also the FAA Tech Center. A lot of those employees also had Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Federal. Again, they had zero out-of-network benefits. So I kept getting calls. And at the time, I did have one secretary, front desk girl, but I was closer related to the phones. Things were still getting directly back to me, phone calls, and my desk was right next to her so I could hear the conversations. So I realized we were getting a lot of referrals, but losing them, oh, you don't have out-of-network benefits. All right, maybe I'll call back if I need you. So at the time, I was doing well, breaking even, but also making money. When the insurance cutbacks came, I kind of sat down and what decision am I going to make? Stay out and then go towards this cash model or go in? Looking at my reimbursement going into Blue Cross, at least in New Jersey, I still think they pay a fair price. And it's a number that I can work with and scale. So yes, it kind of cut back my treatment times a little bit, but at the same time, I was starting to get busy. So I was kind of doing that a little bit naturally anyway. So I realized going in, I had a bigger net. So I was losing patients. So going in, it's like, I'm going to gain those patients. So the the financial hit that I took, I replaced because the practice took a 20, 25% step forward. A lot of it comes back to keeping business simple, knowing your numbers. What was your patient visit average? How much money are you making off of each individual patient here? So yes, it went down a little bit, but by the volume increase, I didn't really actually see a hit when I made that change, other than the fact that I was busier going from like 50 patients a week to 70.
0: I think you said a lot of interesting things there. And obviously, you're sort of almost in our mastermind group. First of all, you're financially, and we'll talk revenue in a second, have the biggest business in the group, I think but you're also sort of different than everyone in that you are in network. But what's interesting is people ask me if I can help people in network and you've had a lot of success with us because of the realizations of things that you spoke about, which I want to dive into a little bit more. For me, it's like, I don't really care if you're in network, out of network, but where you see people struggle and where I certainly see it in this business is that people don't think about it like you did. Meaning that you understood intimately, okay, if I do go in network, my reimbursement per session will go down, which means I need to increase my volume maybe see more per hour. I'm still going to deliver high-level care, but it can't look like my practice, one hour or a 30-minute visit. And so where I think a lot of new grads or established practices get stuck is they try to do both. Your practice, they're not seeing four or five patients an hour with decent reimbursement. And they're not me, really high-priced for one hour. They're sort of 30 minutes with okay reimbursement. And that's where we see people get stuck. Talk me through and maybe talk to the audience, someone that is like, I live in an area, whatever. I do want to take insurance. How did you sort of look at the numbers to decide? I do want to take insurance. And here's what this business actually needs to look like so that we can have a business that can actually scale.
1: Honestly, pen and paper, nothing fancy here. You got to keep it simple. What was my average reimbursement? And just kind of doing simple math, it's bringing it back to your per hour rate. So, how many patients do I need to see per hour?
0: And if you're not generating close to 300 bucks an hour at a minimum, you're probably going to be losing money and you're not going to be able to scale. Whatever that looks like in network in any state that you're in with insurance reimbursement or cash, if you're not able to do that, you're probably going to struggle. And I think you sort of understood that, which was important. And just to give the audience context of why I respect your business so much is like, we're not talking a small business here. We're talking a seven figure business. And I think you've grown since being in our program from, I think we're doing about 700 something to about 1.2 ish at this point with a large staff. And so let's talk about that a little bit. And let's fast forward. So you got yourself going, and then you got your schedule full. Obviously, you have to play a little bit more of the volume game in your situation. So when you talk about scaling, how did you go about growing the practice from you and a secretary to now you have, what, three full-time Kairos, you have a PT department, you have a big, beautiful space, which you've expanded three times, and you're doing well into the seven figures. So walk us through that journey on how we got from a nice. practice to, you know, 1.2, 1.3 million in seven or eight years?
1: The one thing you got to realize you can't do it by yourself because whatever the numbers are, like you said, 300 an hour, even 400 an hour at the end of the week, you can't see enough patients by yourself. There's just not enough hours in the day. So to go to those numbers, you need a team. You need other chiropractors or physical therapists, acupuncture, whoever like fits your model and who's ever listening, but you need that team. And that's one of the things I would say you probably helped me with is managing that team and being okay with letting them do their own thing a little bit, but still keeping it within the core values of the practice and how we operate here. But the way I scaled it, again, in the beginning, keep numbers simple, just looking at how many can I see a week? Let's say it was 85 patients a week. I actually always underestimated my average reimbursement per patient, just a little bit on that scale. Like always a low average instead of the high average, which fluctuates, at least when you're in network. Just doing the math at 85 patients a week, that was enough to pay my bills, pay me the salary I wanted, kind of stay busy. So I started doing the math like, all right, an associate, what is he going to cost me? What is his salary? What does he want to make? So at the time, I was listening to a lot of just business podcasts, not really Cairo specific, little like Dave Ramsey, Entrepreneur, Business Made Simple, a couple other things there. Writing down just different spreadsheets on the cost of an associate because it's more than their salary. The malpractice fees, insurance fees, are they going to take continuing education seminar? These little things do add up. vacation,
0: like you have to account for when they're not there and producing.
1: Yep. So using like 50 weeks a year instead of 52 type thing. So simple math. It's like, well, how many patients do I have to see to at least break even on that? associate where if he comes in, I'm not losing money. I'm not making money, but I'm not losing money. And it wasn't that much. It's only 30 a week. So it's like, all right, what's 85 plus 30? Can I see when it was just myself as 85 is like, I'm good. Now I have to see between 100 and 110. Like I call it like proof of concept. So I was getting busier. Can I see 110? Knowing that if I give this associate 30 patients from my book to start, because they start, got to keep them busy. You can't just expect them to build their own book from nothing.
0: Let me pause you there. This is something I see a ton. And the more I get into it, the more that I see it is what you just said is a realization that a lot of business owners, Kairos that own never understand and where they get stuck is that they build their own schedule. And then they try to scale by bringing on other people and expect them to build their own schedule too, because they're in the treatment room 40 hours a week. And inevitably, they end up frustrated and tired because that never really happened. That's just not in-network. That's in-network. That's out of network. That's any business. I see it all the time. And that's how people never get out of the rat race of just patient care, because they can never sort of get beyond that hump. Go into that a little bit more. You sort of said it as a throwaway comment, like obviously everyone would understand, but they don't. And so speak about that a little as you grew, it was like the expectation that if this was going to grow, even if I have a really good associate, it's still sort of on me as the business owner to make sure that I'm the one spearheading the growth of the business.
1: Yes. Bringing that on to me, I guess one of the core values I have is team concepts. So it's like I'm bringing on a teammate and we're working as a team. So even when I started, it was just me answering phones. Optimal Health, how can we help you? Who is we? It was only me. But I always had that team mindset that like I guess knowing just a little bit of business like eventually the secretary she has a job or the office manager whatever you want to call she has a role. So even bringing in that associate that's why you have to find somebody that fits your model and fits the operation. I want to say it's like maybe put your ego aside a little bit and let them do their thing, but from the beginning I I kind of let them know we're going to have to do marketing events. But if we go and do a marketing event, that patient when they call it's to optimal health. It's not for Nick, for Anthony, for Rick, for Holly, for Rachel. It's to the business. Now, sometimes patients are a little picky on who they want and you got to step back. But you see what I'm saying? When we I set up think- marketing event, it's for the team because it has to be. Cause if I'd never did that, like there's days my mom refers her coworker. Obviously they want to see Rick, see Rick. And I almost have to like give them a cold shoulder sometimes, like pretend like I know who they are. I know the name that came through, but I'm busy. I have other patients and Anthony's not. I got to let him take that patient. And guess what? Then that lady referred someone else and then a whole network tree grew off of that.
0: I'm so glad you're saying this because again, for you and I, at this point, some of it is almost like stuff that we forgot, but as you're talking through it, it makes me recount, there are a lot of people listening to this that have struggled to grow their practice won't be able to grow it because of, again, some of the just the things that you've said. When we go to do marketing events, it's not marketing Dr. Nick or Rick or Alice or Sally, like it's optimal health. And that little change, that little nuance and actually having our whole team buy into that concept. And obviously, as you know, that's what we do at Strive as well. We always preach that. But again, where do people get stuck? They get stuck because Rick's going to an event and everyone wants to see Rick. But even from day zero before you started, when it was just Rick, it was we. It's just an amazing lesson, I think, that whether someone has started or maybe has gotten stuck, the change in language, the change in thought process on how they're going to go and build their business, that just change in verbiage is huge. Let me move into what I think you do about as well as anyone I've ever seen is the outreach, networking, getting in front of communities, doing talks, just to like build your business, build your name, build your brand, which is interesting because I love you, Rick, but you're not the most outgoing guy of all time. And so people would be like, I'm shy. I don't want to talk to people, blah, blah, blah. You're someone who I wouldn't see that is your strength either, though, again, from a networking marketing standpoint, I would put you up against anyone that has been in our world that you get out there, pound the pavement, and build that brand. So talk us through some of that and maybe give some tips to our audience, someone that hasn't gotten started yet or or afraid to go do it. How have you been able to do such a great job of that? I don't know, right?
1: (laughs) I'm actually thinking back, public speaking used to terrify me. Like I remember the, one of the first projects in power school we had to like do a sports injury. I think it was patellar tendonitis. And I had to do my presentation. I stood up in front of the classroom and I blacked out. The PowerPoint went tunnel vision. I sweated through a shirt. I stuttered the entire time. Man, I'm bad at public speaking. I can't do it. I made up words. Some of my friends still make fun of me. for that. <laughs> So I kind of knew I'm like, all right. I always knew I wanted to start my own business. When I went to Cairo school, like it just made sense. My mentor told me, it was like, do your own as a way to go. So with that, you know, as I started to get into it, going to Mopal, I really liked Mopal. So I wanted to like teach that and get in front of people. Mopal already had the student rep. She was a try ahead of me. I'm like, well, I'm not going to be able to ever take this over and teach this. So that's where I kind of gravitated towards Sports Club, which you and Jake ran. And then me and Joe took over from you. We actually turned sports club into rehab to performance club, you know, that transition. But I kind of did that knowing like, well, I'm bad at public speaking. So this kind of made me do little presentations. It wasn't big. Fast forward, I did get better going out. To me, it's when I started the business, I knew you had to hustle. So everywhere I go, the business is always on the front of my mind. To me, I always see an opportunity. And also niches. I just kind of always knew... In business, you have to have a niche. That's what drove me to do Mopal. And then drove me to like, all right, well, ART, that's a niche within the chiro field. Oh, the rehab chiro, that's a niche that nobody's doing. When I first graduated grass, and PTs weren't even really doing that yet. I got a couple of niches. I got different things I can sell patients. So wherever I went, whether it was dinner or there, you go to chiro school, you disappear for three years. And when you come back, you're a different person. You have a doctorate. You're three years more mature. Your friends are just starting their careers and whatever or not. So it just kind of connecting back with the community. Everywhere I went, oh, what are you doing now? Oh, that's awesome. I do this. And then explaining what you do. Explaining the grass, explaining the ART, explaining the rehab. And what I noticed that everyone would be interested, and oh, I thought cars just cracked backs or necks. Yeah, we can do that too. It's a tool. It's a very good tool. But so is the ART. So is the stretching. So is the rehab. So is the package I have here. And people would just be interested. Now, I think what I've been good at just thinking this, because you've asked me this question a couple of times, is when you got to put yourself out there. you got to say no and realize things that you think are home runs are going to be duds. Sometimes you're going to do certain things that like, oh, that was kind of a waste of time. But when you actually step back and look six months later, it's like, no, it wasn't. I guess when I first started, right, you have so much free time. So when I built that into my schedule, I would treat patients nine to 12 and then three to six. I would treat them to one, but I wouldn't fill that last hour until I had to. But that gave me three hours every day to just go talk to people. Early on, I joined a BNI i group. Again, public speaking, that's part of it. You have to present every so many weeks. You give a one-minute elevator speech. That helped me kind of hone different topics, different little lectures. And what I realized is like, okay, what can I offer to the community? If I'm out here and somebody's interested in what I do, I can offer them a presentation, a lecture on muscle imbalances. Now, at the end of the day, I have narrowed down one lecture that I've given to teachers, air marshals, CrossFit gyms, muscle imbalances. Now, that muscle imbalance, obviously, I'm tweaking it to who I'm talking to. If I'm talking to athletes, I'm explaining how, you know, tight hip flexors, keep it simple, can affect your performance in a snatch or squat or something. You know, if I'm talking to teachers, all right, I'm going to talk more about neck and headache and how tight traps and levator scap can lead to that. The air marshals, all right, they're sitting all day on plane. I'm going to talk about tight hip flexors and how that's going to cause chronic back pain or maybe a hip replacement when you're 50 and time to retire. Same lecture. Emphasis is in different parts of it. Or I can do demos. Also, early on, I reached out. I mean, your audience, we all know the CrossFit community needs what we do. I reached out to every CrossFit gym.
0: Hey guys, I wanted to take a quick break to tell you about my friend Kevin Vandy and his podcast, The Business of Biomechanics. To give you a quick background, Kevin is a dear friend of mine who I've met through my business journey. Even more importantly for you, he's a world-class healthcare entrepreneur and physical therapist. To give you some quick stats, Kevin is the CEO of Competitive Edge Physical Therapy, which is based in the Bay Area of California. His practice generates seven figures in revenue while being 100% cash pay. Even more important. Kevin's practice is truly unique in that it is truly a biomechanics laboratory with force plate sensors and honestly, a whole lot of other stuff that I don't even understand. So here's what I'm going to do. In the show notes, I'm going to put a link to an episode I want you to check out from back in December of 2022. This episode is with Dr. Nick Stutholm. I'm linking this episode specifically because Nick is a rehab chiropractor who practices in Colorado and also runs a biomechanics lab. Even cooler than that, Nick is a member of our Rehab Cairo Mastermind, and his business has really taken off since joining our program. It's a fantastic conversation and one I know you'll get a ton of value from. So after this episode is over, of course, I want you to go and check out the business of biomechanics with Kevin Vandy, and don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Now, back to the show. When you say every CrossFit gym, you actually mean every CrossFit gym, or other people say I reached out to every CrossFit gym and they mean like two? Roughly, how many, like when you say every, how many was it? I guess at the time,
1: CrossFit was still, I think, growing. I guess it was only three. And then Uh, then what did you do with the three? Well, they all told me no.
0: (laughs) But this is where it gets good, right? Because again, most people, they reach out to three, told no, and then they say CrossFit sucks. And then they'd go about their way and say that nothing works, and they can't market and all that. So what happened next?
1: One, I just emailed and they're like, I'm sorry, we have a chiropractor in our facility. I'm like.
0: Beautiful. I love this. This is fantastic. Keep going because this is a, such yeah. a good lesson.
1: That was a couple of times away. I'm like, okay, the closer one, slightly bigger, just doing some research. They're a bigger gym. I've reached out and they kind of were like, oh, that's interesting what you do. I'd love to hear more, but like blew me off. So I reached out again. Now this was through email. So like at the end of the day, it's like, I don't read emails from random people trying to sell me stuff. Some of it's mm-hmm. probably good stuff. Why do they read them on? that that kind of went. And showed up, which is awkward until it's not right. Just kind of said, Hi, hey, Nick was one of the gym owners. Hey, how's it going? I'm Rick. I emailed you a couple. Oh, I remember you. Reached out. The one of the trainers was RKC kettlebell Bell certified. I was like, Oh, it's awesome. I'd love to like see that rehab more of my patients. Steve was related to a PT and like blew me off. I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> like, sometimes trainers are full of themselves. I think they're not full
0: of themselves. They're insecure.
1: Yeah, that's a psychology lesson. Comes off as full of themselves. Yeah. But yes. Either way, kind of got blown off from that gym. I did actually volunteer. They had like a CrossFit competition and they needed volunteers. Mm-hmm. And I was just part of their email chain. I was like, I'll volunteer. I'm sitting there changing weights, which really got me to see, like, because I haven't even done CrossFit at this point, see how it really operates. All right. This is what's going on at the WODs and the competition. And through that, met a lot of people. Hey, still nothing came from him. Like, okay. So at the time, though, one of my buddies I grew up with, he was teaching, let's just say, CrossFit classes out of a big box gym. It didn't have the CrossFit surf and whatever it was. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to join. I need to work out anyway. Let me just join CrossFit. And I started doing it with him. Now, he was the best CrossFitter around. I kind of joined working out with him. It's funny as I thought he'd refer me a lot of clients. I don't think he necessarily did, but working out with him, I got to meet all the other trainers at that gym. And some of those trainers became my best referral sources at the time. A lot of them have moved on to other jobs or careers. So again, just showing up and kind of showing your faith, but always being ready to just give like a little, I'm not even say a pitch but just talk about what you do. Show the passion in what you do.
0: I wrote down three things in what you just talked about that I think are super important. Actually, four things. The first thing that you said, which it reminded me of actually a story that someone told me about Greg Rose, was that you said you basically give the same speech every single time with very small tweaks. And actually, Josh Satterley, who's been on our podcast before and I've been on his, he told me that same story that Greg Rose told him that exactly. So before Greg Rose had TPI as it is today, him and Phillips would fly anywhere in the country that would have them and give the body swing connection. It could be the Golf Association of Louisiana or everywhere. It was Body Swing Connection. And it was the same talk every single place because when they did the same talk over and over, they knew where people's eyes would light up. They knew where the pauses were. They knew where they might get a laugh. And they just got really good at that. I think one of the things that I see is that what a lot of our clients, a lot of the rehab Kairos, every time they go to a gym, they want to come up with this brand new thing every single time. And they never get good at the one thing. Rather, you have the same sort of theme. Over and over and over again with minor tweaks to fit the audience, then completely have to restart and come up with a new thing. Cause the first time you do anything isn't going to be good. So that was the first thing that you said that I think is really, really valuable. The second thing that I wrote down was the job starts at no. So most people would send an email and they wouldn't get an email back. That would be it. You it was like, all right, I sent an email. I don't even read emails. That was just step one. Now I've got to actually show up at the place. And is it awkward the first time? Yes, but that's what the job requires. That's what I did. So number two, the job starts at no. Number three, You said, I saw some of the trainers, one of them had an RKC certification, a kettlebell certification. And the thing I wrote down there was finding a connection point, finding a familiarity, whether that's a friend that you know or whether that's a certification that you have familiar, you can have a conversation and start a relationship based on that connection point. And then the fourth thing that you said was that I started working out with a friend of mine who was a really good crossfitter. And actually he didn't refer me anyone, but the other trainers became some of my best referral sources what we would call that in our mastermind group is second order consequence. So the first order consequence is that you show up at the gym and you hope that you get referrals from this trainer that you're friends with and none of that happened. But second order consequence is you met the other trainers at the gym who actually, they're the ones that became the best ones you've got. Where if we just stopped that, hoping the trainer number one referred us, we would have gotten stuck because we didn't think about what could happen second, third, fourth in this relationship. So to me, those are four things that you talked about in your journey, which people that are listening that potentially are struggling or want to know how you've done it. I think as you tell your story, that to me, a lot of really, really salient good points in that.
1: The second order consequences is that's how I built this because it was constantly getting out there and meeting people through people. I wrote down a couple of notes, like three different things early on. I remember reaching out to my old soccer coach, wrestling coach, baseball coach. The girl soccer coach who was my wrestling coach, oh, all my old coaches, I thought they'd all be patients, right? None of them. None of them came back. One eventually years later. Well, one of the coaches, what I was there, was like, oh, let me introduce you to the field hockey coach. Okay. Right. You got to give that lecture. All right. Let's talk about field hockey. You've been over, right? We know mechanics better than anybody out there. So just because you don't know it perfectly, you still know it better than the average person. Talking to that field hockey coach, quiet lady too. She has referred me, probably my biggest referral tree to date. And she's referred me some of her friends who were huge referral trees. And then she referred me to a powder puff football league at the time, where I set up a booth there on a couple of Saturdays and brought in handfuls of patients. It was, again, that second order consequence. That was one where kind of being out there. The other, I say this all the time to my staff, because we'll talk about marketing, what events are we going to do? Let's just say a local 5K race or a triathlon, we'll go set up an event. And there's times we do an event, like I'm not getting anyone from this we'll treat 20 patients and like not many people live around here. People will travel to Atlantic city or ocean city to run this race or just people aren't interested. And at the end of the day, what am I going to get one patient work a whole Saturday and get one? Maybe when you start off, yes, get that one. But what I have noticed is working. There's a lot of events. It's not about getting that one patient that I happened to treat that pulled their calf when they were running. It's, are there other vendors there? Who set up that race? Was there an EMS squad there? Who else is associated with that race or that community event? Because the people that set up those community events, the people that set up those races, or the people that even have a booth next to you, they're the people that you want to know. That's the patient you want to get. So sometimes I'll do the race, but it's like, hey, my best patient was the booth next to me, Mm, selling a similar product. And guess what? Those people, I don't want to say a big mouth but usually are very good referral sources as well. So again, just being out there, giving one thing, collecting something
0: else. It's fantastic. I think it's awesome. And the recognition and the level of clarity that you now see it looking back is profound. And I think people should benefit a lot from it. One more major question for you. You sort of mentioned the thing I've helped with most is the managing the team and growing the team where I think I've seen you grow the most. If we go back a year or two, you had a business that was probably doing seven, eight, eight hundred fifty, nine hundred thousand. And when we started, if I would tell you that your business gets to that point and you'd be like, oh, I've made it. Wow, I got life and manage it. I get family, house, money, all this type of stuff. But I remember it was probably about a year and a half, two years ago, you were like miserable. And now the business has grown. It isn't perfect now, but like your affect now and your ability to see through things just seems your overall level of happiness, satisfaction, and just sort of not fighting with yourself as much as potentially you used to. We've never even talked about this. It's just an observation that I've seen what has changed for you over the last few years? Obviously, the money is a little bit better, but, you know, the money was fine back then. So everyone thinks I make money, I'm going to be happy, but you weren't. And now it seems like you've moved along almost. And I know you probably still feel this way, but you know, you said happiest I was was like the first couple of years when I was getting it going. That was the most fun I had. But seems like the last year or so, you've almost been re-energized. And is that true or is that just my observation that might not be true?
1: You have to know. You might have to ask my wife for this. A <laughs> couple things there. One, when I first started, my approach was, I'm going to work harder than everybody. One of my top competitors, but even in the office, they're going to see Rick working hard and kind of hop on my back and I'm going to drag this train forward. You know what I mean? It was, I need to see more. I need to see more. I need to see more. Oh, and you're kind of following with me. And one of the things when we sat down was, you told me, listen, Rick, two people working at 60% of your capacity or ability, let's say, is 120%. Well, that's still 20% more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hearing that, like a lot of the things you told me like hit, and then it takes me a while to like digest it, maybe start to like implement it or actually see like how that makes sense. So again, that's 20% more. I think early on, it became exhausting knowing like, well, I need to see more than my associates. They need to know I'm working harder than them. Know I'm doing this. Know I'm setting up. I'm doing every three events for one event, that marketing event that they were. So being okay with realizing like, wait a second, if I take a step back, and again, that's only 60%. That's not very good. So it's like, well, now what if I can get 80% out of the two people under me? Now I'm getting even more. So it's like having a team behind you, you can get more and optimize more. And not having to do it all. So that transition of needing to treat one more patient, needing to build my book and like, why do I have this 15 minute gap here? Like make 10 phone calls and fill it. Being okay with like, hey, let's take a step back. How do I push everybody from being 60% to 80? The other thing working with you, you told me is like, Rick, you know, an associate, an employee, they're never going to be a hundred percent of you and the way you want them. If you can get, I believe the number was 85%. If you can get them to be 85% of you, that's good. So I think some of that allowed me to stop micromanaging our associate chiropractor, our physical therapist, our front desk to be 100% and realizing like, wait, 85% is good. Nobody's batting 100% here. And being able to take, as you kind of say, get your head out of someone's hamstring and pull back and like, hey, can I push everybody and kind of keep them at 80% of what I want them doing? And not what I want them doing, but like what the optimal health vision or core values are doing or where to optimize them at 85%. So taking that step back from, again, throwing everybody on my back and taking this train forward to let me kind of help push everybody and make sure that they're optimizing instead of 50, 60%, can I get them performing at 75, 85% and being okay with 85, down to 100 Uh, That transition, and I am still in it. It's not easy. It doesn't happen overnight. It was little steps working there. The other thing, sitting down, kind of looking at any business. Now, my brain naturally went through these. I was looking at like that CEO flow chart. There's chief marketing, chief sales, chief operations, chief finance. When it's just you, you're doing all those. Those terms make zero sense. But my brain always naturally went through each one of those categories. Did we do enough marketing events to make sure next month is busy? Which to me, those were always more important than treating patients. I mean juggling the patient schedule. Sales, am I hitting enough patients? Because in network, at least the sales numbers are fairly easy. There's not as much tweaking. I'm hitting enough patients to pay the bills. Operation, the way we treat, it works. Finances, does it make sense? What we're doing, different things. Some of the financial decisions I made around me. There's a big casino industry, Atlantic City. They all have health insurance. It pays chiropractors garbage being in network, 25 bucks a visit. I could go to casinos and set up lectures and workshops and dealers, and I know I could work through there. Financially, it doesn't make sense. I'm not going to, I don't want to say waste my time, but spend so much time and effort reaching out to casinos when financially it's going to drag the practice down. When I could take some of that time and reach out to teachers and cops. And groups of people with better nurses with better insurance. So again, all those talk to each other, but sitting down with you and actually writing this out, having it written on the board behind me, as I'm growing, I'm starting to see how each department is its own thing and where we need to push when we need to push in each one of those four quadrants there.
0: I love it. Before we wrap up, I wanted to give you a couple minutes to talk through your associate opportunity and who you're looking for, who might be a good fit and how they can reach out to you for this job.
1: We are looking to bring on another chiropractor again. We're getting ready for that. We're also looking for, we've started talks internally at starting potentially a second location. So with that, it's pushing one of us out the door and we have to replace somebody here. Getting prepared to, again, grow the team. What I'm looking for really is talent, somebody that has passion for, when I say chiropractic, I'm going to say rehab chiropractic, evidence-based mm-hmm. chiropractic, the model that I'm assuming most of this audience, we are not a subluxation-based practice. That word, not allowed here. But in our practice, we do a lot of active release technique, a ton of PIR. I'd say that has been my kind of secret gem there in treatment. A lot of McKenzie I do as well. We do have physical therapists. so A lot of the rehab, again, you can't do it all yourself. So the patients that need the core stability and that stuff, we try to kind of refer over to physical therapy to help grow that, again, working as a team. But we're looking to bring on another chiropractor. Again, we're located in southern New Jersey, right outside Atlantic City and Ocean City. Our email is info at chiropractic.fit. I do believe we have a job resume out on most of the colleges. We put one out on Jazz HR, which I believe posts to like Indeed and those websites as well. But I'm looking for somebody that wants to grow. I do believe I give my associates the freedom to practice within some of those techniques that I talked about. Everybody on our team has a similar mindset, but we all have our own touch. So somebody that wants to grow within the team atmosphere here and help us expand. We've had Nick for years. He hits his numbers consistently. We brought on Anthony about a year and a half ago. He's hitting his numbers now. I'm consistent where I'm at. So we're looking to bring somebody on to help us move forward and make that next decision, whether it's the second location or what we
0: have here. I love it. And just give us where they should find you again. Give us the email again. The email
1: it's info at optimalhealth.fit. That'll go to our front desk. We did just post that ad on all the major ad boards for job posting.
0: Got it. Just for the audience, if you do want to get in touch with Rick and can't figure it out, just send me a DM on Instagram or email or get in touch. We'll get you in touch with Rick. Rick, I really appreciate this. You've done amazing work. I know you know that, but I want to say it out loud for everyone here. There aren't many people statistically that get to the seven figure mark in private practice and you've been able to do it in under a decade. You're like the 1% of the 1%. So you should be commended for that, even though I know it doesn't feel like that all the time. You are still a special guy who's done amazing stuff. And for you guys out there, at a minimum, some of you guys are super highly motivated people that want a place where you can actually learn from someone that has done it. It is not theory. He has absolutely done it and is doing it. You'd be silly not to at least have a conversation with Rick. So I can't encourage that enough. Rick, thank you so much.
1: Anytime. I enjoyed doing this. I was excited to be on. Anybody in the mastermind group, if they want to reach out to me, feel free to talk. I love talking to them. I've talked to a few guys early on. I don't know if they're even in the group anymore, but they've reached out to me with different conversations, kind of where to go. I'll give you my opinion. It is what it is, (laughs) but you know, I
0: love helping. Thanks, Rick. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you for free. One, grab a copy of my free guide, The Rehab Chiropractor's Checklist. You can get that at go.drjustinrabinowitz.com slash guide. That's go.drjustinrabinowitz.com slash guide. Two, go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram at Justin Rabinowitz, where I post business content. Three, subscribe to my weekly newsletter by sending me an email at coaching at strivetomove.com. And four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more influential people and bring those lessons back to you.